Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Also today we start a brand new series, right? Titled, Let Your Will Be Done. Your will be done. And the vision behind this series is to teach you how to pray with power. How to believe and trust that God's will is better than your own will for your life. Okay, because Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 says it like this. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, God says, are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your own thoughts. So that means that God's will is always greater, always better, always perfect for our life. But that doesn't make it easy, does it? Let's be honest with each other. There's many times that we pray and we want things to happen right now. God, I want to see the right now. I want this answer to my prayer right now. I want to see the blessing. Come on. And we may not understand why God is waiting or what we may be doing wrong, right? Like, God, I prayed for blessing over this food. I prayed that you would nourish my body with this pizza. Why is my waistline still growing? Like, Lord, I prayed over it. Is there some miscommunication happening? Because I I wanted to nourish my body. Let's be a little more serious. Maybe you're praying over your marriage, though. And you're at a point where you just feel broken. You feel like you can't communicate anymore. And it's gotten to a point where you're contemplating leaving because it feels like there's no more hope in your situation. Or maybe you're praying for joy, but you still feel depressed. Maybe you still feel trapped by your own insecurities. And so you're praying to God saying, God, I know that prayer works, but I just don't feel like my prayers matter to you. You ever said that? You ever felt that way? This is the lie of the devil. Okay, this is a lie straight from hell. The devil doesn't want you to understand the power of prayer. Because the power of prayer will change you, change your situation, and change everybody around you for the kingdom of heaven, right? It impacts everything. But he wants to get inside of your head. The battleground is where? In your mind. We wrestle with our own thoughts, our own doubts. Does God really hear my prayers? Because I'm not seeing a change in my situation. I want something to happen now, but I don't feel like it's happening. But listen, according to the word of God... Power, our prayers release power. The truth is, prayers release power that would destroy the works of the devil. And praying will strengthen your soul and supernaturally do what you cannot do by your own strength, right? We saw this with Joshua. Joshua prayed what? He prayed that the sun would stand still and that sun did not dare to move, right? to win the, the, the war, the battle. And then we also see this with Elijah. Elijah prayed that fire would fall down from heaven so God lit up a barbecue in front of everybody to prove that he is the one true God. Nobody else can compare. Nobody else can come close. So according to the word of God, prayer was meant to change everything because we serve the God of the impossible. Nothing is too impossible for our Lord to accomplish in our life. But the big question is this. Let me ask you this. What did Jesus say about prayer? How did Jesus instruct us to pray? You ready for this? I just heard that song in my head. Like, you ready for this? Okay, anyway. All right. Had to wake somebody up there. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And today is an introduction into this. We're going to dive deeper into that over the next few weeks. But let's also look at John chapter 15, verse 7. He also stated, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, meaning if you allow me to transform your heart by the word of God, I will transform your desires. Because before God really changed your life or before you gave your life over to the Lord, you were pursuing a lot of other things, right? You were pursuing happiness in a relationship. You were pursuing this title. You were pursuing all these other things that did not satisfy. But now you've finally gotten to a point where you're like, God, I don't even care about all that. I could be single for the rest of my life as long as I have you. As long as I have you in my heart, that is the only thing that truly matters. But because he's a good father right? You put him first. Everything else comes in order in your life and he blesses you. So Jesus is saying, listen, remain in me and I will remain in you. Then you can ask anything you want and it will be granted by your prayers, by speaking to the Lord. Like Jesus said this, ask anything you want, but God's going to transform your heart to impact the kingdom. 
to be a blessing in your life and a blessing to others. But here's what's crazy awesome. God knows exactly what you want to ask him for even before you ask him. Did you know that too? Like he already knows because sometimes in our head, I've seen comments online where people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Like, I don't know what to say. I feel like I'm bugging the Lord. I don't know if I should pray about this. I would like to see this in my life, but am I being selfish for even saying this? Does God really want to hear this? Listen, God already knows. God knows the battles you're facing. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your head. He knows everything that you want to ask him even before you ask him. Matthew chapter six, verse eight, says it like this. Don't be like them, meaning don't pray like the world, for the world prays to impress people, not God. God knows fake prayers. All right, he knows when you're in it and when you're not. He can see right through. A lot of us can pretend from the outside like we got it all together and we can pray really loudly and boldly, but God knows the heart on the inside. And he knows the humility that's inside of you. All right, so he says, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, God knows exactly what you need. May not be what you want, but God knows exactly what you need. And thank God that he doesn't always give us what we want, right? Because you wanted to be in that relationship, and now they live in their parents' house in the basement. Thank you, God, for saving me from that relationship, right? Thank you, God, for that, not making that business decision or, God, going that path that was going to destroy me. I thank you, Lord, that you already know exactly what I need, right? And so I want to make this very clear. God wants you to pray. God wants you to ask him, even though he already knows what you're about to ask, because he desires an intimate relationship with you. And if you remember last week, I told you what intimacy means. It means I'm allowing you to see into me, into my life, into my heart. And God knows when you've been hurt, when you're dealing with anger, when you're dealing with frustration, when you're dealing with life struggles, and God says, give them to me, all of it. It's not too big for me. You will never be alone. I have something good for you. And that's why Jesus gave us this revelation. In Matthew chapter seven, verse seven and eight, Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks at the door, the door will be opened by God. Amen. But let's be honest. Sometimes we read this and we're like, but why? Why do I have to pray for so long? Why do I have to keep praying over the same thing? Why doesn't God just answer me the first time? Do I have to beg God to get my prayers answered? Do I have to bug him like a little child, pester him until he finally says yes to my request? Is that what Jesus is saying? I started to think about this, and uh, I have a little daughter, and she knows her superpowers, okay? She's cute, for one thing, and she's my only little girl, so she knows with me she can get away with a lot of different things, okay? And I, I really try to stand firm and tell her no, but she asks for crazy things. She will not take no for an answer. She gets that 100% from her mama, okay? I'm just going to say that. And her mama was in the first service and completely agreed with that, all right? She will not take no for an answer. And so sometimes in the morning, she comes up to me and goes, Daddy, can I have candy? I'm like, it's time for breakfast. No, you cannot have candy. So she asked me again, please, Daddy? Can I have candy? Like, no. Can I have candy? Just, just one candy. Can I have one? And finally, I say, no, 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 until the hundredth time. Then I'm finally, like, for my own sanity, like, shh, okay, okay, shh. I'll tell your mama. <laughs> Don't tell your brothers. I'm going to give you one piece of candy. Don't you tell nobody. And I would think she would give me a hug and say, okay. But you know what she says? I want two pieces. <laughs> Like, I'm going to pray over you, all right? Pray for me as well. But that's how we look at this verse. Like, we're pestering God. Please answer me. God, please. God, please. God, please. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that. The reason why Jesus said, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, is because he wanted to teach us how to pray with purpose. Not just pray out loud for the world to hear, but to pray with purpose, to pray with power, to see the mighty works of God in your life and for you to believe that he could do the impossible. Faith changes everything. 
Faith changes your life and everybody around you. Even when you die, your faith continues to speak to the next generation. Because you moved by faith. That's what God wants us to move by, faith. And so today I want to show you, according to the word of God, how praying can change your life. Okay? So the title of today's message is this, Pray With Purpose. Pray with purpose. For prayer to change your life, you must start praying with purpose. Point number one, prayer unleashes God's power. I love that. Prayer will unleash God's power in your life. Because again, God put his power where? Inside of us. The Bible tells us that his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Bible says that our bodies are a temple of the Holy God, that by the authority that's in the name of Jesus, we can call out his name. And this power is unleashed when we what? Pray. And now by our own doing, it's not that we have these powers or this strength, but because God lives inside of us, meaning you are not alone, but you speak his word. Listen to this. Let me show you some examples. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in Greek, this, this word uh, power is dynamis, uh, dunamis, excuse me, dunamis. And it means explosive power or dynamite power. There is a dynamite power that will be in your life when the Holy Spirit is in you, living through you. And Jesus said to his disciples, then you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I wonder if the disciples were like, us? <laughs> you're talking to us? Like, Jesus, what do you mean? Like, you're not going to be with us the whole time? Because everywhere that Jesus went, they followed, right? And Jesus had to explain a lot of the parables to them. Jesus had to explain everything to them because they did not understand. But did you notice that when Jesus went to be at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit came upon them? All of a sudden, they had new gifts. All of a sudden, they had wisdom that did not come from them. It came from the power of God living inside of them, and it was coming out by the word of God. They were speaking things that they should not have known. For many times, the Pharisees called them what? Uneducated men. And it's not that they were uneducated. They actually ran successful businesses. A lot of people don't know that about the disciples. They did. But what it was is that they didn't spend the time that the Pharisees did in the word of God. They knew things about the word of God they should not have known because the Holy Spirit was revealing it through them. So they were able to produce and spread the gospel all over the world, not by their own strength, but by the power of God living inside of them. But, okay, listen to the instructions that Jesus gave his disciples. How did they receive this power? What did they have to do? What did he say? Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city. Listen to the wording here. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. What did Jesus say to do? He said, stay here and wait. Our favorite things to hear from the Lord, right? God always telling me to wait, wait on a relationship, wait on that business, wait on my home. I'm tired of waiting. Like always telling me to wait on the right time or the right moment. God, I just want it now. And we gripe in the waiting. We complain in the waiting. You know who else did that? The first generation Israelites. And because they griped and complained in the waiting, guess what? They never saw the promise. Because what you speak also shows your faith. And so right now in your situation, what have you spoken over your workplace, over your boss, over the people around you, over your family? What have you been speaking because things aren't going the way you would like them to go? Are you speaking negativity over your situation or are you speaking by faith? God, I don't like how they talk to me or what they said to me, but I know that you can change their heart. So please change them before I punch them. <laughs> God, do something in my life right now. I need you. Listen, what did they do? They stayed and they waited, but also they did something very important to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. Acts chapter one, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. By the way, they could have been killed there, okay? But Jesus said, stay here in the city. From the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile, verse 14, they all met together and they were constantly united in complaining. Like, how long we got to wait here? Nobody brought food to this? 
How long were you supposed to sit here and wait on God? Listen, they were united in prayer. They prayed as they waited on the Lord, right? Because a lot of us, look, we know how the story goes. We know that the Holy Spirit comes upon them, but they didn't know. They did not know how long they were supposed to wait. They didn't even know what God was going to do. But look at the verse here. So they prayed together. They waited together along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. This is significant because before the resurrection, the brothers of Jesus didn't even believe that he was the Messiah. But now guess what? They're waiting and praying till they saw the Lord. They know that he is the Messiah. Listen, there are some people in your life that you are frustrated with that make you upset and you love them, but they just don't care. And you're looking at their life and maybe you're a parent in a room praying over a child who's living a very rebellious life and you're praying to God, please change their heart. I'm tired of dealing with them. I'm tired of what what they're deciding to do in their life. God, will you please change their heart and make them fall in love with you. Lately, that has been my prayer for my children because I want to see God do big things in their life, but for anything big to take place, they must first fall in love with God, and that's only up to God. Only he can do that. Only he can meet them exactly where they are in life and have them fall in love with him. Listen, there's somebody in your life right now you should be praying for, but have you given up because they angered you? because they frustrated you. Maybe it's a parent in the room too. Maybe they make fun of you. Maybe they, they, they cuss at you and, and call you all these kind of different words because of your faith. But instead of being angry and giving up, you should pray harder. Like, God, I know that I'm not seeing the miracle today, but I still believe you can do something. I'm still praying and unleashing a power because you live inside of me. So let me speak by faith because I'm tired of speaking in negativity. I'm tired of speaking my doubts and believing my doubts. I want to believe in something more. And we see that here as the brothers of Jesus and these women and all the disciples are together and they're praying and they're waiting. How long did they wait and pray though? How long? Most likely 10 days, 10 days. Some of us can't even wait a day. (laughs) Some of us don't like to wait a day, two days. Like God, it's been five days. Some of us are like, God has been an hour. (laughs) Like, where are you? I need to hear you right now. They didn't know this, though. I really need you to see that out of the story. They did not know what was going to happen. They did not know how long they should wait. All they knew were the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, something good is happening and something good is coming to you. So you need to wait. Wait on it. How do we know it was 10 days? We know this because Jesus was crucified on the preparation day of the Passover. Pentecost is celebrated 50 days after Passover. This is the day that the Holy Spirit came down. And we know that Jesus was seen by the disciples for 40 days before he went back to the kingdom of heaven. Acts chapter one, verse three. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. So they prayed and they waited together and they listened to what the Lord was going to do. And when he showed up, it changed everything. Changed everything. What happened? Acts chapter two, verse two and three. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And all of a sudden they started to speak in different languages and people heard their own language and they heard the gospel and they didn't understand. Like how are these men speaking in my language about the gospel? And they said, are they drunk? <laughs> like, no, we're drunk with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. Not drunk like the world, but there's a Holy Spirit fullness inside of us. And guess what? Peter stood up. You remember what Peter did? He denied Jesus three times. But now he's standing up to the entire crowd and saying, listen, you crucified the Christ. You crucified the Messiah, but he still loves you. He won't leave you. He'll still change your life today. You can give your life over to Jesus and guess how many people got saved? 3,000 people got saved on that day. Why? Because they waited and they prayed and the Holy Spirit power came out and changed everything. They used to be scared. They're not scared anymore. You used to be scared to have that conversation. You're not scared anymore. You used to be scared to pray over people, but after you have seen what God has done in your life, you don't care anymore. I have gone up to people even in Walmart, and said, hey, the Lord would like me to pray over you. And they said, no, I'm good. I said, no, that's okay. Let's pray, all right? (laughs) And then they look at me, and I'm like, God, please bless them. But you know what happens? Sometimes God speaks, 
something very specific that I shouldn't know. And it's not just me. I've seen many people do this out of faith. And they look at me after and they say, how did you know that? And I'll be honest, I don't know a thing about you, (laughs) but God knows everything. And he knows exactly where you are right now. This is what prayer does. And this is what he can do through you when you trust and move by faith and pray, even when it doesn't feel right sometimes, even when you know people will mock you and make fun of you, but you pray and continue to believe and watch the people get saved every time. But listen, it gets better because Ephesians chapter three also reveals to us what the power of God can do in our life when we believe through prayer. Ephesians chapter three. Verse 20, I love how it's worded. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Would you stop right there? Just listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking by his word. Listen, not only can God do what you're asking for, but he can do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or even think about. Seriously. We ask God, okay, God, will you bless this? Will you do this for my marriage? God's like, no, no, no. I'll not only bless your marriage, I'm going to bless the next generation after you. I'm going to give you positions you never thought you would be in. I'm going to allow you to speak, and you never thought you'd be a good speaker, but I'm going to use you to speak, and things are about to change in your life. It happens. I've seen it in my own life. God called me to speak. I remember when it happened. I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to speak. My first time speaking, I choked on stage to like a youth group of like 10 and I choked, and I, literally, I choked. Like, they had to bring me water on stage because I was almost gagging, and I dropped my entire sermon on the floor. I said, God, I'm never preaching again. True story. But God never gave up on me. And there's things in our life that we have to fail, out, fail at to understand his power and that every blessing that we receive and everything that we see comes from him, not from our own abilities, Right? But God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But still people say, well, pastor, why doesn't he? Then, like, I get it. I I get what you're saying. I get that he can do more, but I'm still, I'm praying over my marriage and it still feels like blah. Like, I'm praying over my life right now. I'm praying over my family and my finances. And I still feel like we're going to lose the house. I still feel like I'm going to lose my position. God, I'm praying to be in a loving relationship, but I keep meeting creepers. Like, are you hearing me, right? Am I not praying good enough? Verse 20 isn't done. There's more. Let's read it all together now. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask for or can think of, according to the power that works in us. According in the Greek means to measure out. Measure out. How much of God's power are you measuring out over your family, over your situation, over your problems, over the things that you're facing right now? Let me make it very simple by asking you this question. How quick do you stop the flow of power from prayer just because it hasn't changed the situation yet? How quickly do you stop praying just because it hasn't changed your situation yet because you're not seeing a change? And this is the lie of the devil. You prayed over them. They didn't change. You prayed to be free from that addiction. It's still there. It still whispers to you, taunts you, and brings you back. You really think God can do it? Yes, God can do it. God can set you free today because he loves you. Because this is the power of prayer. So my second point is this. Is your prayer flow too low? Is your prayer flow too low. Meaning, are you stopping too soon with praying just because you're not seeing the results you want to see right now? Listen to the wording of Jesus here. And I love this. In John chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It will also be on the screen as well. But John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Okay, it states, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow what? Will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. 
coming to Jesus, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. There should be power unleashed by the Spirit of God flowing with living waters, flowing with water in your life. But let me give you some background to this message, okay? Or this passage of Scripture. What was happening here? There was an eight-day feast in Jerusalem. And for seven days, the people had gotten together and they were praying that living water would flow out of Jerusalem because of two passages. What were the two passages? The first passage is out of Exodus chapter 17, verse 6. We'll show this on the screen, but I'm, I'm just going to explain it. But in Exodus chapter 17, verse 6, the Israelites are wandering the desert and they feel like they have no water to drink. They feel like they're going to die of thirst. So Moses comes into the presence of God and he prays. I love how Moses prayed. I don't know if you've ever really paid attention to how Moses prayed over his people. He was very real with God. He said, God, these people are driving me crazy. Like, I want to kill them and they want to kill me. Can you please do something before I lose my mind? That's pretty much what he's saying to God. And God says, listen, there's going to be a rock. I want you to strike that rock and out of that rock will come what? Living water. Water that will sustain you and fulfill you. Blessings because he believed the word of God and he trusted it. Here's something very important though. We see, almost see the same thing out of Numbers chapter 20. But in Numbers chapter 20, verses six through eight, there's a different story. Again, the Israelites were complaining. They were thirsty. They needed water. So Moses came into the presence of God and this time God said, listen, do not strike the rock. Do not hit the rock. I want you to speak to it. That's all you have to do. But Moses was so frustrated with the people. What did he do? He hit the rock. The water still came out, but he disobeyed the Lord. And here's what the Lord told him. Okay. He said in Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, because you have not believed me. Take it in. Moses had seen many miracles. He had prayed to the Lord. He saw miraculous things happen in his life. But now he got to a point where he's so frustrated with people, he's no longer listening to God. Don't allow the frustrations of other people or what they say about you to make you think it's okay to rebel or disobey God's word for your life because every time you'll miss out on the blessing that God has for you. So don't allow other people's actions or what they say to make you not trust the word of the Lord. But God said, because you have not believed this, my word, me, to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, you therefore shall not bring the assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the reason Moses did not enter into the promised land. He disobeyed the Lord. He did not believe it because he was frustrated with people. But again, the people would come together in Jerusalem because of this living water. For Moses did that out of a rock. But there's a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 14, a prophecy about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's in verse eight. And it says this, and, the day, and on that day, living waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea of the Dead Sea. When I went to Israel, right now, the Dead Sea is drying up. All right, uh, there, it's very restricted on what you can do there because it is drying up at this very moment. But there will come a day where Jesus comes back and the rivers will flow into the Dead Sea and half of them also in the Western Sea, the Mediterranean, and it will be summer as well as in winter. And when Jesus comes back, it also says that his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives and split the mountain in two. My king is coming and everybody will know and living water will flow out. So Jesus was saying, so the people are together, right? They've been praying now or they've been getting together. They want to pray together. And Jesus shows up on the eighth day before they say the last prayer. And Jesus said, listen, I'm it. I'm the one. Come to me, all who you are thirsty. I am the one that will satisfy your thirst. I am overflowing right now. Here's the problem. The truth is the people were not there to pray to God. They were there for a religious show. On the outside, again, they looked like they had it all together, but on the inside, they were not trusting in the Lord. They prayed, but they did not believe. In fact, many of them came to get drunk off the wine and commit a lot of sinful acts, all in the name of God. And Jesus knew it. And that's why Jesus said, don't pray like the hypocrites. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is the only reward they will get. What is Jesus saying? He's saying power and prayer does not come from volume. Power and prayer comes from humility. Being humble. Allowing your heart to be humbled before the Lord. You don't have to look like you have it all together. You don't even have to say the right words. I I, I deal with so many people that are like, I want to pray, but I don't know what to say. Just pray. You thank the Lord. You say, God, I'm struggling in this area. I need you. But I know that you can overcome and end it with faith. Always end it with faith. God, I know that I may not see it today, but I know what you can do. So on the eighth day again, Jesus says to the people, here I am. I am the living water, but only half believed. And they started to debate with each other. Is he truly the one they did not know? And so I'm seeing this in our own lives. Listen, for a lot of us, when it comes to faith, when it comes to praying, right? Jesus said what? He said, listen, you should overflow with water. You should overflow. A lot of us, let's be honest, we got squirt gun faith. Let's be honest. Okay, I got to pray over my marriage. Squirt. <laughs> All right, thank you, God, for this food. Squirt. Thank you, Lord, for this. Oh, this person's bothering me. Squirt, squirt. You know, like, <laughs> like God, I just don't know. And, and then you were frustrated in the end saying, God, how come you're not doing what I'm asking you to do? Because you're barely praying. It's not even wet. It's still dry. You don't even know where you sprayed it anymore because you're barely praying because you're distracted by all the worries. You're distracted by life. You're getting through life. I got to be here. I got to get there. I got to make sure this is accomplished in my job. And you don't even know what you prayed over anymore. Little squares here and there. God wants more in your life. He wants everything to be overflowed. So I'll tell you what, Miss Trisha, can you bring me the super soaker? All right, Listen. Back in the day, see, I was looking for one, though, like back in the day where they were like huge and had like the big bubbles and stuff. But I'm telling you right now, anybody falls asleep in service. <laughs> Y'all think I'm playing. Um, <laughs> but this is what I started to think of. Like God wants us to have this super soaker type of faith. When we pray, everything should be soaked. Everything should be dripping because of the Lord's holy presence and his anointing in the room. Right? Over my life, and we see this. Listen, one of my favorite stories. First Kings chapter 18, verse 44. Elijah had already spoken a drought over the king because the king, they were all rebelling against God. So he spoke a drought and the drought lasted for three years. And then all of a sudden he showed them that God was the one true God. The people started to repent. So now he says, listen, rain's about to come. And the story tells us that he sent his servant out seven times to check for the rain. I want you to put yourself in Elijah's position. Elijah says, all right, go, go look for rain. His servant goes out, comes back. You see anything? No. Okay. All right, keep praying. Keep having faith. Sends him out again. You see anything? No. Okay, that's fine. Sends him out again. You see anything? No. Okay, that's fine. Sees him, uh, sends him out again. See anything? No. Sends him out again. See anything? No. Sends him out again. What would you do in that moment? Like, God, please don't make me look foolish. <laughs> the king wants to kill me. The people want to come against me. God, I know that you said this. You spoke this through my mouth. I know you can make it rain, but he's not seeing anything. This is where a lot of us, like we lose that faith. And when Jesus was saying, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, he said, when it seems impossible, you better make sure you keep producing the power of God over everything. And on the seventh time, what happened? I love this. First Kings chapter 18, verse 44. Finally, the seventh time, he told the servant to go out. And the servant came back and said, listen, I saw something. I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. What would you say? Like, just a cloud? Like, I know the Lord said it's going to flood. It's going to rain. And all you saw was a cloud. Maybe I should pray harder. Not Elijah. He said, that's all I need. That's the only thing I need to hear for I know what's coming from the Lord. He said, it's rising from the sea. It's just a small cloud, size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah, listen, he shouted. He didn't whisper. He said, okay, here's what's going to happen. No, he shouted so that the king and everybody there could hear him. He said, listen, hurry, go tell King Ahab 
climb into your chariot, go back home, because if you don't hurry, the rain is going to stop you. All he had to see was a little bitty cloud because he knew his faith was about to get them soaked. The dripping anointing of the Lord, the power and the authority of God in our life. That's how God wants you to move. Let me also ask you this. What if the disciples didn't wait 10 days? Jesus again said, go and wait. Listen to what the the gift is coming to you. Wait. If they left on the fifth day, what would have happened? If they left on the fourth day, what would have happened? They would have missed the opportunity for the miracle to take place. Don't stop short of the miracle that's supposed to take place in your life. It could be right around the corner. And I, know, I, I get it. We've heard that a million times in so many different sermons. But in many cases, it's very true. God wants you to keep seeking him and praying and searching and asking so that he can show you something different. He desires an intimate relationship with you. But why does he want you to unleash such a power through prayer? We have to understand this. My last point, the flow of prayer will destroy the army of the devil because the flow of prayer in your life will destroy the army of the devil. And let me just warn you now, we're just scratching the surface of this series today. We're going to dive a lot deeper over the next few weeks. But I have to have you understand the purpose of prayer. We are to destroy the works of the devil by the power of God. And this battle was revealed to us out of the book of Daniel, chapter 10. And Daniel was distressed for 21 days. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 and 3. When the vision came to me, he said, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All the time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until the three weeks had passed, meaning he did not bathe for three weeks, so I'm sure everybody else was mourning too. I pray and please, God, answer, answer Daniel. We need a change right here, all right? And it says that an angel of the Lord visited him, and we believe that this angel is the archangel Gabriel. And, and it says in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Daniel. For since the first day you began to pray for understanding, you humbled yourself before God. Stop right there. Because power does not come from what? It doesn't come from volume in prayer. It comes from humility. And what the the angel was telling Daniel was this. On the very first day you prayed, the Lord heard your prayers. Because you humbled yourself before him. Because you dedicated your life to him. And you would not leave until you got an answer from the Lord. So the Lord heard you. Your request has been heard in the kingdom of heaven. I've come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, listen to this, listen to the wording, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels came to help me and I left them there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Verse 20 and 21, he replied, do you know why I've come? Yes, I've come to answer your prayers, but also listen to this. Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, listen, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Why is this important to understand the spiritual battle that we face? Because the Bible tells us that we fight a spiritual battle when we pray against what's called principalities. And we see this out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I know you want to hurt that person. I know sometimes you want to tell them off, put them in their place, maybe even punch them in the face by the grace of the Lord, right? But there's a spiritual warfare really happening. And some people are so consumed by demonic entities, they don't even know it. And everything that they speak comes straight from the enemy to tear you down. Do not allow others to tear you down or tear down your faith because they will try to ruin your day. You ever had a really good day? Somebody calls you out of nowhere, says something. You're like, why are you calling me? I don't want to hear this today because the enemy is always trying to come against you. That's also why you need to be careful on who you share all your problems with. Because there's some people in your life that do not know the wisdom of the Lord, and they're going to tell you all the wrong things. In fact, they're dream killers. They'll steal your dreams, and they'll put a lot of doubt in your head that this can never change, that can never happen to this person that you love. No, you need to be surrounded by people of faith who pray together. Listen, I hear you. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to believe this together. 
Why? Because we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, meaning a demonic prince who rules over an area, a territory, or even a country. When I visited Israel, one of the sites that I saw as well was the site of the demon-possessed man. He lived in the caves around the tombs, and it says that he was possessed by a legion of demons. How many demons is that? At least 5,000. 5,000 demons. Now, the word legion also references to soldiers. So there were uh, 5,000 demonic soldiers inside of this man. The scripture tells us that when they tried to chain him up, people were afraid of him because he had supernatural strength. He was able to break the chains. Nobody could hold him down. They were scared of him. He lived in the tombs and he tortured everybody until Jesus shows up. And then all of a sudden, the one that they feared, feared the Lord instead. And Jesus shows up and his authority was there. And this man with a legion of 5,000 demonic soldiers inside of him comes up to Jesus and said, Jesus, please don't send us away. Please don't hurt us. Why have you come here, son of God? And Jesus says, shh, be quiet. I love that. There's some demons whispering in your ear right now. And Jesus will come into your life and be like, shh, stop it. Stop with the doubt. Stop walking away from the Lord. Stop being enticed by that sin. That sin will not give you what you need. Jesus is saying, I will give you what you need. I will fulfill you. But when Jesus shows up, his authority is seen. But I want you to pay attention to what he said to Jesus right before Jesus cast out the demons. Mark chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Verse 10, and he, talking about the demon-possessed man, begged him earnestly not to send them out of where? The country, the region, the territory. Why? Because demons like to control areas. We see this throughout scriptures. This is what, we're, what is revealed out of the book of Daniel. Daniel is witnessing this spiritual battle taking place over kingdoms over areas, over territories. Why? Because the devil wants to be in control. You ever pass by a city or move to a city that just feels depressed? You ever felt oppression? I remember uh, from the city me and my wife moved from out of Louisiana, people would tell us all the time that when they traveled that area, they felt oppression. Why? Because it truly is a city of sin. There's a lot of casinos and strip clubs and bars all over that place, and people get lost in the moment. And so guess what happened? God told us, when Authentic first started in Louisiana, God told us to do revivals and these services in the middle of it all. And downtown, we would put together with other churches, and we would worship the Lord, even with the, uh, the homeless ministry there too. They would come with us. It was so cool. And we'd be right next to bars and tattoo shops and casinos, and we'd praise God. And people would come out of the bar like, what's going on over there? That seems more fun than what I'm in right now. And people would walk into that room and be changed forever because the devil, the demons, cannot shut up the light of God. For that light is always shining and it's always pulling in those who feel oppressed and he allowed freedom to take place because we spoke it and believed it and the prayers of God were heard. And amazing things happen. Amazing things. What about somebody's house? You ever felt in somebody's house as well? You can tell like there's something going on there. They're fighting a lot. Everybody's negative all the time. There's been some harsh words spoken over each other, maybe within a marriage. Listen, there are also familiar spirits out of the Bible too that run in families that produce what's called generational curses. And they pass it down to one generation to the next. And you see it. I've, I've had so many people come up to me and say, you know what, my, my father was an alcoholic. I guess I will be too. And they're smiling about it. But I know that it's a wall because I know on the inside, they're really hurt by it because they never had a relationship with their father. And maybe the family was completely broken by a substance, but they're also believing that that's just me, that's where I come from, that's who I am, it's not. It's not. I've seen people that said, you know what, my, my parents were divorced over and over and over again, so I don't believe in marriage, why? Just because somebody else wasn't living for God and putting Jesus first, and even though that's the only example you saw, doesn't mean that that's the final end of it all. God can change you today. I've seen God bless those who did not come, had a good families, bless their family, and then they go back to save their other family, to be a light in the darkness. Or maybe you said, you know what? I'm never gonna talk to my children the way my mother talked to me. 
But there are times where you got frustrated and heated and you said things to them and you felt bad for it. Listen, the devil doesn't take days off. So your prayer life should not either. Every day you pray, God, this hurts, but I'm gonna continue to pray. God, I don't like what they said about me, but I'm gonna continue to pray for them. God, I'm not seeing a situation change for me right now, but I'm gonna continue to pray that you're gonna do something that I can't see today because I believe that every time I pray, power is unleashed because I have faith in you and you're all I got. He's all you need. Every bit of it. So what has been passed down through your family? Divorce, adultery, addiction, poverty. Listen, here's the good news. As a believer in Jesus, listen, you can fight the principalities through prayer and win because here's the revelation I want you to understand, right? What did I tell you, principalities, what does it mean? A demonic prince over a region, right? A demonic prince cannot rule over you. Why? Because you know the king. Because you have a relationship with the king. I need you to understand that. That's when Jesus showed up. That man with the legion of demons said, oh no, the king is here. It's the king and what he speaks, what he orders will take place. And freedom will happen. And Jesus gave this authority to his own disciples. And everybody who believes in him by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. And they gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And guess what he told them to say? He said, also go out and proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is near. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and this is something we will dive deeper into over the next few weeks. But they asked Jesus, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. We don't know. I don't know what to say. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seems like he's praying for a future kingdom. But in the Greek, here's something very powerful to understand. Jesus was saying the kingdom is here and the kingdom is continuing to come. The kingdom of God is here right now before your very eyes, but there's still a fulfillment that will take place and more is to come and more freedom is to come and more the love of God is to come and more revival is to come and more change is to come. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not over. It's not done for it will come in the end and every eye will see the Lord coming from the sky. Every knee shall bow before the king above all kings and there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more crying, no more hurt because the king is here the kingdom is here but it continues to come and we await that and that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 he said this a lot he said from that time on Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near I'm in front of you Jesus was saying I can call my own angels to come down and rescue me right now but the will of the father for Jesus to be upon that cross to take the weight of your sins and my sins and our guilt and our shame and to bring us freedom and power in our life for kingdom in Latin means the king's dominion so listen no demonic prince can stand a chance because you know the king the kingdom is here it's still coming and knowing that listen should change everything about your prayer life right So what do we do? How do you pray with purpose? You understand that God's power, His Holy Spirit lives inside of you, waiting to be unleashed by your faith and prayer, okay? Not only that, but don't allow your flow to get too low. Even when you don't see the miracle happen, keep praying, keep believing, and keep trusting that what the Lord has for you is still better than what you have planned. And then in the end, understand that every day is a battle. Every day is a fight. Don't give up the fight. You're not done. You are not done. As I, as I prayed and studied the scripture, the Lord gave me a very heavy confirmation, a revelation of something I've been praying over. 
uh, to the point where I had tears and chills um, in my office. Tears and chills. And the Lord revealed to me, because I've been asking God about the future building, the building that I spoke about during the Believe the Impossible series, that I believe the Lord was leading us to because of the dreams and the visions and all that he has spoken. But I was asking God, why, why this building? Why this area? And it was confirmed out of the word. It was confirmed out of a message I heard. It was confirmed out of a book I grabbed. And it was also confirmed out of a dream that all took place in the same week, in the same weekend. And what God revealed to me is this, is that he has called Authentic Church to move into that area, into that building, to take down the dark principalities over that area of Hickory. That we have been called into that building, and it may seem impossible right now, how much it costs to get that building in that area. And there's gonna be trials. There will be things, there will be battles that will happen that make us look like we'll never be able to get it. But don't you worry, keep trusting in the Lord. For Satan doesn't want us to know that we're gonna take away his control because the king is coming. We're gonna preach that message in that area and that new building and people will travel from all different areas. That will become a destination for people to travel to to hear the presence of God. But that entire area will grow and produce something beautiful. Here's what I heard from the Lord that got me excited. Not only will that building produce something beautiful but the whole area will start to change why because we're going to cast out those principalities those demonic demons have been controlling that area for way too long and there's going to be jesus coming in why because we are a praying church and the devil will not be able to stop it and we're declaring the king has come and the king is coming back i want to end with this passage of scripture right here. I'm going to have everybody stand up. First Peter chapter 5 verse 7 through 9 and I'm going to have our worship or our prayer team come up front but it states it like this so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Listen to this and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Don't rush it. Don't rush the process just because you're not seeing it right now but trust him and give all your worries and your cares, your anxiety, your stress, your problems, the things that you are facing right now, give it all over to the Lord. Why? Because He cares about you. He already knows what you need before you ask Him. But listen, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But guess what? You can stand firm against him. He will not overpower you. No longer will you believe the doubts in your mind. No longer will you believe the lies of the enemy, for you will be able to be strong in the faith and the word of God will sustain you. Jesus has spoken and he's spoken a promise over your life, just like he spoke over the disciples. What did they do? They waited and they prayed. And on the second day, they waited and prayed. The third day, they waited and prayed. The fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, seventh day, eighth day, ninth day, tenth day, the power of God showed up because they waited and prayed. What am I telling you? Keep praying. Keep waiting. Keep believing in what God is doing. But listen, there's an area of your life right now for each and every one of us where it seems impossible for the God to do something that we've been praying for. Where does it start? It starts in prayer. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.